Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Euro 2020 Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am with Ruth, as always. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Doing all right, all things considered. Better weekends, worse weekends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I very much uh, know that feeling. I will share my uh, my exciting weekend with everyone in a moment. Um, we are obviously going to be talking about Wales 1, Switzerland 1 in the opening Group A game. And we're going to do a little preview as well, uh, looking ahead to the Turkey game, which of course is coming up on Wednesday. A massive, massive game uh, for Wales. Um, Ruth, how, how did you watch the match? Well, I, th- I think I mentioned in the last podcast, it was actually a 6am start here um so i just kind of rolled out of bed and and watched it somewhat bleary-eyed actually it was it was i have to admit it was strange because obviously normally when you you have a game um even the relatively early kickoffs in europe are are kind of lunchtime here um so this was that was unusually early and it was weird not to have the kind of a day's build up and have your adrenaline going and those kind of peaks and troughs that come in in the day, bef- you know, during the day before a game kicks off. So it was strange, but yeah, I was just at home shouting, shouting at the computer. <laughs> the usual. Um, the I, usual. I, I had a slightly more um, dramatic day. I think I think it's safe to say. Um, we picked up our new puppy in the morning which was very very exciting uh, kind of got him home and kind of got him all settled in and I literally put one foot out of the door uh, to, to walk to the pub to, to meet a few pals and watch the match and as I put one foot out the door my wife Joy is shouting come back come back come back and I was like oh my god and I walk upstairs and the the front room is is decimated with poo um, and uh, the boy is just rolling around in it absolutely loving life having a great time so I did say to Joe, I worry that this was an omen for the day. Um, so I met a few, I met a few lads. I know, I know, Ant is one of the boys who I've mentioned before is a Newcastle fan as well as a Wales fan. I know will be listening. So uh, I met up with Ant uh, and a couple of other lads. Had a few beers. Obviously started watching the game, and uh, the girls at the pub near us uh, kind of sorted us out, which was great. And uh, Switzerland scored, and it's fair to say I didn't kind of take it well. Like you said, the day of ups and downs had kind of got the better of me, if I'm honest. We often use the Ellis James expression of I feel like I'm in a dishwasher, uh, in a washing machine, sorry, and that is pretty much how I felt. And uh, yeah, I was in a, it is on a, at the bottom of one of the round bottomy smells in a, in a, in a washing machine. And when Switzerland scored, I punched a bar stool, which I thought was like I had a big thick cushion on top um, when I punched it. And and uh, it didn't. It just had, as it turns out, a round plastic cover. Um, so I punched the bar stool as hard as I could, and it turns out that I have fractured two bones in my hand. What an absolute dick! So whilst everyone else was enjoying light refreshments after Wales's uh, terrific draw, great goal from Kiefer Moore, uh, I went home, played with a puppy for about ten minutes, and then went to A and E and came back home with a fractured hand in a cast at one o'clock in the morning, which is. Um, yeah, an ideal way to spend a Saturday night, let me tell you. So, yeah, it was the the dog poo incident was, in fact, not the worst thing that happened to me on Saturday, which uh, is something I never thought I'd, I'd say. So there you go. Yeah, it was it was quite quite eventful, I got to say. Um, enjoyed it though. Like, it, yeah. It, well, you don't you don't you don't do things by half. Don't you? You know, we no. have to admit that. Dislocated shoulders, watching games, broken hands, watching games. You know. I'm, and you're not even playing. That's without the injuries exactly. you get from playing. Oh, I'm beginning. I'm beginning to think that I have a, a a joke with a friend of mine here, Tiny Hands Tom. I can call him that on this because I know he doesn't really listen. Um, and I, so when we kind of moved here, I said to Tiny Hands, "Oh, you're. I think you're the jinx. Every time I watch the game with him, Newcastle and Wales didn't score." And uh, after the, after this particular incident on uh, on on Saturday, he said. You're the jinx. I, I, I have nothing to do with this. You are 100% the problem here. And it's, it is hard to disagree. For, 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 for newer listens, I have dislocated my shoulder once when Ben Woodburn scored that goal against Austria. Um, I did such a big jump off my chair and fist pump that uh, I dislocated my shoulder. So watching football with me appears to be some sort of hazard. Um, 
So if we ever do, to you, anyway. yeah, exactly. Well, to be fair, I don't think you had the best of afternoons there. We went to A and E. Um, no, that's true. Alan, that's your true. husband, had to come and pick us up. Joy, my wife, came to meet us, and she was so badly sunburned that the people at hospital thought she had sunstroke. It really was quite an entertaining afternoon. So yeah, it was uh, it was a different Saturday watching watching uh, the first game of the Euros. Let's let's rather than uh, exchange injury anecdotes uh, let's actually talk about some football I think is is probably a sensible way for me to look slightly less stupid um, we'll start with the lineups I think is a, is a sensible way to look at it Are you, were you happy with the, with the way that Wales lined up I think I was I mean I think like a lot of people I'd been advocating for uh, Kiefer Moore's inclusion and I think a consequence of that really is that we end up with four at the back rather than than five so I think I was happy um I think I'm guessing Morel was in over Ampadu because Ampadu probably still isn't a hundred percent or at least close enough to a hundred percent that you'd want to start him um I think Ward had reached a point where it, it the you know the starting goalkeeper shirt is his unless unless uh unless he's carrying an injury um, I have my doubts about Mepham that remains, and I think we'll probably end up discussing that a little bit more. But all in all, I think, like a lot of people, I think I was basically happy with, with that 11. What about you? Yeah, exactly the same, really. Obviously, in an ideal world, Ampadu starts over Morel. You know, as we've said many times, you know, big fans of Joe Morel on, on, on here, but I think that Ampadu gives us that bit extra with the ball. Um, but it, I, again, like you said, I think that was an injury thing rather than a selection thing. The one thing that did surprise me a little bit um, was that Ben Davis didn't play alongside Rodden and Nico Williams played left-back just because the amount of minutes that Williams got in the build-up made me think he was going to start. Uh, obviously, he started a left-back role before uh, when we played Belgium, so I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't in there. But overall, I, you know, absolutely no complaints whatsoever with the side. I think it was, it was the right team. I think, as you say, Mepham, as it turned out, I, he... He does kind of worry me a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll come to him. I think what kind of surprised me most uh, after a, an exciting three-minute flurry was the fact that we kind of didn't really seem to have any sort of foothold in the game quite early on. We were quite happy to kind of cede possession and, uh, and, and, and see what happened from there. Yeah, I think the irony was like a lot of people, I was happy with the formation, but because it's not what we have been playing recently, um there was they were clearly suffering from a kind of unfamiliarity and i think we got away with that for the first well actually i think we were reasonable probably for the like, the first 20 25 minutes and and then we seemed to kind of well obviously we took our our, our foot off and and sat so far back i mean it wasn't even so we were sitting in our half we were sitting in our, in our defensive third a lot of the time um but i think the fact that we'd not been in that scenario meant that everybody was just a little unsettled and i think that started to come through once the sort of initial buzz as it were that you were mentioning that kind of initial sort of flurry had had evaporated yeah, it was an interesting start, wasn't it? Because we kind of took off the way I, I, I hoped that we would. And, you know, we, we were quite um, adventurous and getting the ball in wide areas and getting the ball to Dan James. And, you know, I thought, oh, bloody hell, here we go. Um, and it just kind of, like you say, evaporated quite quickly. And I think we got away with it, like you said, in the first 25 minutes because they didn't actually create a huge amount. There are a few kind of iffy moments, but there was not mm -hmm. one thing where you thought, bloody hell, they should have scored there. And then all of a sudden it started to turn. We dropped deeper. And I don't have a problem with us sitting deeper, to be honest. You know, Switzerland are a, are a good, strong side, a little bit workmanlike, but and they have a player in, in Mbolo and, and also Shakiri who can kind of cause a bit of damage, um, which is obviously what happened. Um, I think... As the game wore on, the thing that I thought was weird was we were sitting deep and not tight to our man. I think mm -hmm. there was often t time for, for players to touch and turn, have a t uh, take a touch and turn, sorry. And that was the one thing that frustrated me. I don't, the dropping deep thing and, and, not, and not having the ball, I can live with that. You know, it's a, it's a hot, hot uh, circumstance out in Baku. I, I, I understand that. It's the first game. People haven't played for a while. There's a lot of things going on there and I, and I can live with that. But being kind of, 
I don't want to say off the pace because that seems harsh, but we certainly weren't trying to win the ball back. And we also weren't close to our players. And that was the one thing about the whole kind of setup tactically that, that alarmed me. Yeah, I thought it was a sort of interesting, particularly in that the second part of the first half, a kind of interesting clash of tactics and styles. They're, they're obviously a very possession-based group and are happy literally just to be going left to right, right to left, you know, and, and holding possession. And we equally seemed to be happy just to sit and let them do that um, and then hope for something to happen on the break. But because we were sitting so deep, even when we grabbed the ball in those circumstances, there, was, there wasn't anything happening offensively because we still had so far to go up the field. So I think that second half of the, like I said, the second half of the first half, it became almost like this sort of strange standoff where we seemed happy to be letting them push it around the field a bit. They didn't do that much um, and we did less still. And I, I think I think it was, as you say, it wasn't so much the, the fact that we opted for let them let them have possession, we'll, we'll stand off, we'll rely on the break. It was just, I think my concern was more how deep in our half we were doing that so that even if we could break we just had too far to go and too few bodies in front of the ball at that point no i totally agree and i think we negated our own strengths as a consequence of that you know with when mm. bale is kind of doing the defensive work as well as james as well as ramsey well uh, you know, you need a miracle to get out with one long ball from that. That's always the worry with Kiefer. And, you know, I'm not being critical of that. I would have started Kiefer. It was absolutely the right decision in my mind. Um, that is the worry when other people sit deep, though, is that you can't get people around him. It's impossible for him to hang on to the ball and, and do something with yeah. it. And because we were so deep, like you say, when we did get the ball, we kind of couldn't get forward. The, the, the one thing that... And he's better, with the, he's better with the ball than I think we showed yesterday as well because there was so little off him yeah um so he he ended up being the the kind of clear it out let's see what happens and when there's no one around him that doesn't that doesn't gain you anything yeah, and you know we did try and play to his strengths when we did go forward on those rare occasions. We were looking to get balls in the box. Obviously, he forced Sommer into a into a really really good save. Maybe, perhaps yeah. even uh, you know being a bit critical, perhaps hypercritical, he probably could have done better there. Um, but by yeah. that point, you know, it was quite a a quiet game. They had a couple of chances from the corner. Fabian shared that lovely little back heel. They had a few moments themselves where they could have done um, a little bit more, perhaps. So it, the game obviously kind of suited us to an extent at half time. We'd got into half time at nil nil. Um and I don't really think either side had looked like scoring. As I say, we each had kind of half a chance each. Um and and the game would look like it was just kind of peter out even perhaps. But I thought when we came, they came out second half, we had this weird thing going on where we were sitting deep, but any time we did push forward, everyone went. <laughs> And they somehow managed to break on us at times, even though we were kind of sitting deep. Um, obviously, they, you know, great, great ball in for them from the corner. Um, there's just two things that I want to look at at their goal, really. I wonder if you thought that Connor Roberts was the right person to be marking and Bolo. Um, not because Connor Roberts is a bad defender, but because he is their main attacking threat. And I think I would have had Rodden on him just for size and height, if nothing else. Um, and second of all, again, being hypercritical, because Danny Ward was absolutely outstanding yesterday. I'm, I'm not blaming him for the goal whatsoever. But I do wonder, looking back at that again this morning, whether he could have done more to come out for that. Really, to come out. Rather seemed yeah. rooted to his line, you know. I think there were a couple of times when, in hindsight, he might think, yeah, perhaps I should have come come for the ball a couple of a couple of points in in the game and I think that was one of them um I'm not I don't know about Roberts but because he's he's actually got a great leap on him so I think it's in I find it interesting actually that as a defensive header of the ball he doesn't show himself as well as he does as an offensive header of the ball does that make sense no that's a very good point actually um so I, th I think 
I mean, I, I think in hindsight, it's easy to say it might have made more sense for Rodden to be on him. I think I was more concerned by the fact that Connor seemed to be so involved in watching who he was marking that he kind of wasn't tracking the ball and hence wasn't wasn't leaping and pressing and putting the player off at the right moment because of the you know because he he wasn't conscious of the trajectory of the ball and so stayed on his on stayed on the ground and wasn't attacking the ball um so i'm i think it might be less to do with the who was marking Bolo more more the how he was marked I think the point you've made is absolutely right. Like he was facing the wrong way. He didn't get off the mm-hmm. ground. Uh, he was definitely more concerned about possibly the size and physical power of Mbolo over yeah. the, the, the situation. I, 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 the reason I say that about Rodden, though, is because I always think in those sort of situations, I know what you mean, Conor Roberts can be a very effective header of the ball, especially going forward. But I always think in that sort of situation, you would want our best defender to mark their best attacker and if you mm-hmm. if you look around as well we are not short of big lads who are good in the air um <laughs> you know obviously you've got you've got the defensive side of things but equally you know Kiefer Moore Gareth Bale's good in the air and yeah. I, I was just a bit surprised that I think we probably put maybe our third best header of the ball on their biggest threat and you know it's difficult because Fabian Scher is is a big lad and he's he's quite good at set pieces um you know as as I think as a few of them were but I think that it was more the 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 decision that had been made in that sense was the issue because later in the game it, it did switch and Bolo was not marked by Roberts by the court but for, uh, at later corners which I did think was interesting um but I'd like to say just, <coughs> just- Go on. on that on that theme, there also seemed to be a few times when it was Joe Allen that was marking, um, you know, sometimes at corners when their centre-backs would come up, and I can't remember the man-on-man who he was marking, but there did seem to be times when he was marking someone that was easily seemed to be a foot taller than him, and that concerned me as well. Yeah, there were a few little things like that. And I feel like we're, yeah. nip, you know, I feel a bit hard saying that. I feel like we're maybe being a bit nitpicky, but it can be something that could cost. And I always used to, I always think that we are quite good in the air and generally and from set place. So to concede a goal, and I've got to say, there are a couple of times from corners where I thought to myself, bloody hell, they, they do look a threat here. Yeah, well, there was an interesting, because obviously I was watching on ESPN over here. There was an interesting stat that I hadn't twigged until it was mentioned Um that in the qualifying, we didn't concede a goal from a set piece. Oh, that is interesting. Yet, yet, yet yesterday we looked so vulnerable from corners. So I do think there's, um, I do think there's something we need to look at there. Um, just to mention Danny Ward, and I'm only being uh, critical of him. Just, I'm well, not even critical. Just more asking the question, I suppose, because I do want to talk about him in the in the wider context. I do think he, in my view, there should come for that because I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's it for me that's a goalkeeper's domain I think if the ball is landed on someone's head on the on the line of the six yard box that that for me I'm not saying the keeper's got to come and catch it or whatever but the keeper should come and do something there for me he was kind yeah. of rooted to his line and I am being harsh on him because I don't think the goal's his fault in inverted commas but I do think he could have done more to kind of stop it uh, do you agree with that before we kind of talk about the the bigger picture I, I I think I agree. Um, I think that you want to, as a goalkeeper, you want to be supportive of the the D that are on that six yard line, don't you? And I think just your presence, and even if it's a punch or a leap, there's you know there's a hope that you can put off the attacking header of the ball. And and when you're looking at something that's the proximity of those headers. They're very difficult for you to save as a goalkeeper if someone makes good contact. So I don't know, but, you know, is there a, a a sort of statistical situation where you're better? It's more effective to be putting off the header than it is to be intending to save it. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. I, and I that's it for me. I think he's got to try and make some sort of impact mm-hmm. on the situation. But like I said, I am being hypercritical there because he had... A wonderful game. I thought he was quite possibly Wales's best player on the day. He made a string of fantastic saves. I thought, generally speaking, the way he kind of 
dealt with the people in front of him was was excellent. You could hear him barking at people. You could hear his communication was coming through on the TV. Um, I thought his distribution was much, much better than it has been. Um, and I thought he did his best to kind of keep the ball and make sensible decisions when we had the ball at our feet in uh, defensive areas he contributed, but also recognised quite well when we needed to to go long and kind of clear our lines. And I, and I thought overall he was, like I say, probably our best player on the day. Yeah, I think I would have given him our Man of the Match award, I think, um, in terms of who made the biggest difference on the field on the day. I, I think he probably did. Yeah. Um, I th- there were some great saves am- amongst, um, amongst the half a dozen or so that he made. I think the... the I didn't hear the 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 barking and the um the sort of instructions and the communication as as much on on my field I wasn't as a feed I wasn't as aware of that but I think that's a really good sign because that's one of the things I've been critical of him is that he sometimes seemed a little sort of passive at the back and I think if he's sort of on his defensive players a bit more and and there's just an increased level of communication then that can only be good yeah, and I think especially yesterday that was really key because I, I did think our defensive line was a bit shaky. I thought Ben Davis looked a little bit lost, to be perfectly honest, at times. Joe Rodden was often, you know, caught the wrong side. Like the chance when, you know, Mbola could well have been given a penalty against uh, Chris Meppham. Um, mm-hmm. The, the Sarafanovic, I don't know if I've said that right, but the, who he passed, pushed the ball off to. Joe Rodden was, you know, a yard or so behind him and slow to react as well when the situation kind of developed. And again, I'm not saying they had bad games. I just thought there were moments where our defensive line looked wobbly. And that's something, you know, I mentioned at the start here, maybe Mepham coming in and playing, um, Davis coming in and playing centre-half instead of Mepham. Perhaps even Ampadu looking at him coming in and playing centre back if we if we change for the next game. I th- I wonder if that is something we may look at because we I, I I thought we did look a bit wobbly at times and it, it did look like we had three of those four players had not played for a while. I would agree with that. I think um, Connor Roberts for playing the right side of a back four was at times playing a little bit too much like a wing back. For, yeah. for my liking in the circumstances of the game. Um, I thought Mepham looked out of sorts. I thought Rodden, by his usually high standards of how well he reads the game, he seemed to be like a half second off things. Um, Davies, I think, was... I, th- I think he actually probably played the best of the four, but it wasn't. That's not. That's not a great selection as it was <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Um, I. I think my concern would be we've been tinkering so much with that combination at the back. I think my concern would be tinkering for for kind of the sake of tinkering. Although ultimately, I think Ampadu might be a very good centre back. We've barely played him back there, and I. I think I'm not. I'm not looking to to make more changes. Um, I think I would favour, if I was going to make a change, I would favour what you were saying of of bringing Ben Davies inside and putting Nico or even um, Reese Norrington Davies in the sort of left-back position. But um, I'm not sure that we gain by making changes right now I wonder whether we will actually gain more by giving that group of four some stability yeah I mean we'll we'll come properly on to the the turkey game in a bit but I, I would mm-hmm. agree with you I, I think it would be naive of you me us to have been saying for ages we want to play four at the back and keep for more up front and then we have one draw with a bloody good team and say <laughs> Right, all changed. Everybody out. Like your favorite, to one of your favorite expressions is throwing the baby out with a bathwater, and I think that would be a, a perfect example of that in this case. Um, I think the the to go back to the game itself, look rather than the tactics for a moment. Obviously, for again for regular listeners, you will know my disdain for short corners, and um, as that ball was taken short I turned round to and I was just like I, oh my god I hate short corners and turned round to someone else and Brad Brian who was just like oh my god me too um, and of course the ball gets pushed back to Joe Morell perfect little pass in 
What an absolutely sexual header um, by, by Kiefer Moore. Absolute filth. Uh, such a good ball in, such a good finish. Um, and it was a classic moment where straight away everyone went bonkers in the pub. Um, and I hugged my friend and said, I've always loved short corners. Um, <laughs> uh, a classic situation. I, I, it was interesting that once they scored, they kind of switched off to an extent a little bit defensively, uh, offensively, sorry, and that they weren't kind of pressing us as much. Kind of, I think they thought, well, they've done bugger all. We may as well just see if we can see this out. And it kind of backfired on them because we did have a good spell, you know, and we even had, you know, chances to win it. Ramsey almost getting on the end of a cross um, not long afterwards scored. So there's, there's, there's a feeling there that, in my view anyway, we kind of got away with one maybe not got lucky because I think we did put the pressure on we did deserve something out of the game in the end just but the situation and how it came about it did make me think we we could have done this for the whole game we've we've kind of got away with one a bit here and I'm not taking anything away I think drawing 1-1 with a great team like Switzerland I think they're ranked in the world top 10 that's that is an achievement especially for an off-par performance so I do think that's worth taking into context um, but I do think they allowed us to come into the game a little bit. I think I agree with with all of that. They certainly took their foot off the pedal when once they'd scored, and and obviously they pe- they paid for it. Um, I think if you look at the second half, the the sort of statistics for possession is a lot closer. Um, you know, they overwhelmingly in in the game they had much more possession, but. For the for the second half, it was closer there. Um, so I think to go back to your notion that we kind of earned the draw as opposed to got lucky with the draw, I think that's a fair comment. I think um, that it was one of those situations where, you know, if, if Summer hadn't saved that first header from Kiefer Moore or Ward hadn't made some of the later saves in the game wouldn't have been unreasonable that either side win that game but I don't think either of them either side dramatically should have won that game I think on par a draw is probably about right um the I think I think a a draw is good for us because we know we can play infinitely better than that and I think to come out with a draw against as you you say a a team that's ranked higher than us in an opening game. of I mean, we've got to remember, here we are in the opening game of a tournament, playing in those conditions in Baku against a very experienced and organised team that's ranked higher than us, that qualified so much more easily than we did. And we feel a little bit disappointed with a draw. I mean, like, can that give us, give us a shake, you know? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I would slightly disagree with you on the sense that someone deserved to win the game or not. I thought on the balance of, I mean, they had, I would say, four really good clear-cut chances. And some of them came from their own excellent, like I say, Mbolo, I thought was the man of the match yesterday. I thought he was the outstanding player on the pitch. That kind of touch and turn, he goes past two people, ends up sort of one-on-one with, with Danny Ward. He should probably do a bit better. Ward has made a couple of outrageous saves towards the end of the game. I think if you if you were Swiss, we're sat, you know, we're sat doing this tonight. The the Swiss Coleman had a dream. Um, uh, the probably sat there doing their podcast thinking, how have we not won that game? In my view, um, I think. Oh, I think they have. They have more of a case for winning it. I think yeah. uh, that one of Severovich, where he just somehow skies it over over the bar from about two yards. Yeah, really um, I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's haunting him. Yeah. Um, so I think you know I think if you were awarding it on points like a boxing bout, I think they would probably win on points, but I think it would be a tight decision. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's that's fair. I think looking, you know, at a few other kind of talking points, I guess, in the game. Um, I did think Ramsey Bale in particular was quiet. I did think that, uh, that we, you know, uh, not all their own doing. I didn't. I didn't think we kept the ball anywhere near well enough. Um, and I think for as much as Alan and Ampadu, uh, Alan and Morel, sorry, did a lot of kind of hard graft in there. I do think that that cost them in the end. A bit of composure couldn't couldn't keep the ball particularly well, which 
um, which did cost us and negated some of our attacking threat. The one decision that got me, if I'm honest, was was Dan James coming off. I mean, he looked fairly furious about the whole thing as well. <laughs> but I, I was surprised about the decision to bring him off because he looked like our real only attacking threat. He was taking people on. He was putting great balls into the box. Um, so it's a difficult one because if you're looking at either of the wide players there, if you want to make a change... Gareth Bale's probably the one who's had the quieter game of the two. Again, not necessarily his fault, but you know, when you look at it in that context, maybe bringing Bale off is probably the, the the right decision there if you want to make a change because James looks a real threat. Um, I wonder if there's a bigger picture to this. I think it might have been different if Brooks had come on and we hadn't created any more chances or we'd bought on, we'd taken... Um, James off and, you know, bought on another holding midfielder or something. But I think it was a, I mean, I, I realised Bale swapped size, but it was a somewhat like-for-like like substitution. So it wasn't us becoming defensively orientated. So I wonder whether it was as much with an eye on the Turkey game and looking at how, the, I mean, we're I'm going off on a slight tangent here, but looking at how we might want to play against them, I wonder if we see James and his running ability and speed as pretty key in that game. And so I wonder whether there was actually a, a bigger sort of picture of let's let's just get him off, let's get him rested, let's not overload the the miles in this heat. And And so it was that sort of decision rather than a, tactical one per se I, I i do know what you mean i i personally don't agree I, I think at that stage of the game the way the game was going i think it made sense to keep james on and if you're making a like for like at that point you're just doing it for legs then i, mm -hmm. I don't think that we I needed can, I, that i see the argument that that bale had had a quieter game i don't disagree but i, I was trying to find a reason for why it would be james because obviously there is a reason why they would have substituted james and i just wonder whether it was the the level of running that he'd done across the game and looking at in that heat and looking at wednesday yeah i think that's fair the only thing i would kind of counter out is with that oh my god that with is is that we only made two substitutions and mm -hmm. obviously we're entitled to make five um, and I would have thought in that heat, I'm not saying you make wholesale changes because obviously, you know, this is an international football match. The cohesion is massively important. But I was a bit surprised that we, we kind of made f few changes. Obviously, Ampadu coming on for Ramsey was also quite late in the game as well. So I wasn't yeah, I mean, a bit that surprised was in, with that. That was into injury time. So it really, I mean, it, was, it, it wasn't a substitution to all, all intents and purposes, was it? So I, I, I am surprised, as you say, in that heat, in that temperature, that we didn't make more use of the of the bench. I mean, yeah, I, I like. I, I'm not. I'm not having a go at Rob Page here. I think in the circumstances, I think he's not stupid either. He will know that yesterday wasn't good enough, um, and that we're capable of better. So, you know, he doesn't need me and you to tell him that. He will have seen that himself. <laughs> he's he's almost certainly as we're sat here thinking, bloody hell, we've got away with that a bit there. He's probably, you know, sat ha sat having a. A Baku beer uh, tonight. He probably doing the same thing himself. So you know. Well, he said he said as much in a post game, didn't he? That he said it felt like a win in the changing room. So they, you know, they know they've got a point when perhaps they didn't deserve it. Um, and I think that's a big takeaway from this is that you know we can talk about everything for as long as we want. The disallowed goal at the end always liked VAR. Um, and I think, was it Joe Allen afterwards said, VAR till I die or something else, or something like that with an interview <laughs> in Esperdorech, which I really enjoyed. Um, but like, I think, you know, looking at that, that is absolutely a point gained, isn't it? Rather than uh, rather than anything else. And I think, you know, the, the context of the game is obviously massive. First game for us obviously the the back of our mind obviously is that the Turks you know got heavily beaten and did not fulfill much of the promise perhaps that was kind of shown around them um, so we'll come to them in a sec but I do think it kind of in the context of the game I think we've got to be realistic here we didn't play well we can do better but we also played a really really good side who I think we myself included underestimated to an certain uh, to a certain extent and I think we've got to just be coming out of that thinking, thank God. 
Yep, agree. And and knowing that we can do so much better, I think, is a, is an, an encouragement. I totally agree. I totally agree. So to to move on, unless there's anything else you want to to mention about this game, Ruth. Nope, nope. Let's let's have a look at Turkey. So to to look at the Turkish team, well, the the Turkey game really obviously lost three nil. Italy kind of dominated the game. The one big thing I thought um, was how often, especially later in the game in the second half, Italy got in in kind of wide spaces. They were very, very narrow defensively, Turkey. And I don't know whether the aim was to kind of shut them down and say, if you want to cross the ball, you cross the ball. We've got big lads in the air who will kind of beat you in the air. Bless you. And um, and I don't know if that was the plan, uh, but Italy's movement of the ball kind of exploited that space. I say all this because it goes to show there that I think there is definitely room for Dan James, Gareth Bale, Di Brooks, Harry Wilson to be able to exploit those spaces. Aaron Ramsey especially, running from from in to out, I think those spaces will still be there. Um, And I think they'll fancy themselves at their chances again against the Kiefer Moore, will beat you in the air sort of thing. And I think that will allow us those spaces. So there is, you know, whilst we talked about that draw, I think there's a lot of positives from us for us to take from the, the, the game. And yes, Italy are, you know, much, much better side than us. But the way that Turkey played, the problems, the the situations are still the same. They still exist. So I that was the big thing that I took from that. And it's something that I hope we can, will be able to use um, going into Wednesday's game. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a game where we definitely need to be on the front foot and harry and hurry them press them they were not good playing out from the back they put themselves under quite a lot of pressure and admittedly part of that is the quality of the italian team but they put themselves under pressure playing out from the back unnecessarily um you could see them running out of steam in the game they tired um when i was chatting with arma turget who is the at turkish soccer expert that we've been we've been liaising with uh, and and he was featured in our last podcast uh, one of Armut's real fears for the team was how they were going to tire deep in the game um, and obviously one of our strengths is how we keep going deep into a game so I, I think we've got to make sure that we have them turning we have them hurried we are using our width and our pace um in, in order to put the pressure on through speed. Um, I agree with you. I think one of their strengths is is their central D. And I think that, you know, they, they're perhaps more used to a Kiefer Moore type player than some other some other defences. And I I I'm not advocating that we change. I I think we should be basically staying with this formation now. But I do think there is perhaps of all three games this is the one where playing the false nine might make the most sense. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I, I think that from their perspective as well, to add to what you've said, taking a 3-0 defeat is going to be a big thing to get over for them. It's not like you've just been done You've you know, by, by the odd goal here. You've, you've been completely outplayed and... You know, I said, I think I can't remember if I said this on our on our pod or when we when we chatted about the game previously. But I said, there's always someone going into a tournament, and people. One person says it once in a newspaper. Everyone goes, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll regurgitate this as my own." And people always say, "In our Turkey, dark horses for the tournament." Da 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 da. And every tournament, this sort of thing happens. And every time someone tries to say something clever and tries to say, oh, you know, I told you uh, I've been uh, following Turkish football for quite a while, actually. Uh, I really knew this was going to happen. And every time this happens, it very, very, very rarely comes to fruition. And I had that feeling about the, the Turkish side. Um, and I felt like that was kind of in my mind anyway calling myself a football genius here but would justify it in their in their performance I thought they looked uh I don't want to say average because that's very harsh they didn't look average I they did not look as threatening as I thought they would do again admittedly against a very good Italy side the the, the thing I will add to that is I I wonder if perhaps they'd kind of believe their own hype a little bit maybe I don't know how much of that they'd kind of seen and read but I think uh, the big thing that I would agree with you on is the the false nine perhaps being 
the better bet for us if we're going to do that at any point. I still would, I think, start with more just because I think everything seems to click better when he's playing. And I think we should be spending the week moving everyone in midfield further forward 15 yards because the problem wasn't more ultimately, was it? That The problem was how where the midfield were that that that's the reality so i think i would be looking to start the same you've mentioned in our pre-match notes about ampadu maybe getting half an hour 60 minutes out of him i'm going to steal that as my own and, and that would be the one change i would make look i you know i like joe morell joe morell's mum listens to this podcast so i i, I i'm i'm scared about saying anything negative and i and i don't have anything negative to say about joe i think he's a great player he's done well for us his big thing on 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 the weekend is that he didn't use the ball as well um, as Ampadu can, and that's not a criticism. I think it's just they're just different types of midfield players. So I would be looking to see if I could get sixty minutes out of Ampadu, see if I could get him moving that ball around, popping the ball around a bit better, because um, that's his real strength. And then if we can get up in the game, bring someone like Morel on, who is that sort of terrier type player, um, to to see if they can close the game out. That's that would be my big change. I would potentially look at moving Ben Davis to centre-half and, and, and putting Nico Williams at left-back. But again, I think that's just kind of nitpicking. The big one for me, I would want Ampadu in there just because I think we use the ball better when he's there. Yeah, I think if he's if he's fit enough to go, you include him. I think if there's a doubt, you don't. Yeah. And then um, I think he's, there's a slightly more contrast in the play between Joe Allen and Ethan Ampadu than there is between Alan and Morel. And I think I think we gain something from that as well. Yeah. Um but I but I if it turns out that Ethan isn't good to go, I haven't got worries about Joe Morel being in there. I think I think he's always performed really well when we've when we've asked him um to come on in often in quite difficult circumstances. So if we end up starting with the same eleven I wouldn't have a problem with that per se on the basis that it's probably indicative of the fact that Ampadu isn't quite ready. Yeah, no, I, I, I can go with that. One thing that did make me think um, it would be a bit more of a benefit for Ampadu being ready uh, might be the, the, the time of the game. I think kickoff mm. is five o'clock in the UK, so it'll be an eight o'clock kickoff. So I, the, the temperature will be notably cooler um, than, it, than it would have been uh, on the weekend so that might be something as well that kind of they might think it's not as stressful a game perhaps for Ampadu I am very much clutching his draws I, I appreciate that but I think I, I think that might actually come part into it you, you're more likely to be able to give him a go there in those slightly cooler conditions slightly cooler circumstances um, mm-hmm. and before we continue so I just want to make I just want to say about our Game Ollard magazine you can see a match preview uh, of the Turkey game that Ruth has written uh, in Game of Willard, which you can find at colmahadadream.com. We have a speci- special dedicated page for Game of Willard. We have loads of great stuff in there for our Euro special. We've got um, brilliant uh, images on the front from Ollie Whitfield, who's made a great front cover for us. We have um, a selection of different match previews. Uh, obviously, Ruth has done this one, and we have one uh, ahead of the Italy game by Mark Goddard as well, who's one of our contributors. We have um, a great piece from Gareth Pierce about Harry Wilson and where he might go next after this summer. Uh, loads of other stuff as well. Predictions uh, from ourselves, from fans, from Helen Ward, Wales' all-time top goal scorer. We have a huge selection of stuff in there, um, as well as an article about Ruben Colwell and perhaps him being the wild card for the Euro. So please do go to commonhalladream.com and have a look at Game of Willard. Equally, if you're looking for something uh, for someone for Father's Day, a uh, great sales pitch here, please go to cymru150.com uh, and have a look at some of the A3 prints we've got. We're hopeful that we're going to be able to add a few more things to the website in the in the Euros as well. So please keep your eyes open for that. Um, to go back to the to the game, Ruth, um, just to just to look at their performance, t- Turkey's performance, they credit where credit's due. They did soak up a lot of pressure in that first half, didn't they? They did. Um, I think the problem for them was that the midfield couldn't keep soaking up that pressure and take the pressure off the the defence. And they asked so little of the Italians that it it just felt so much one-way traffic by the end. Um, I think... Chalanoglu can't have 
such a quiet game. I don't think he can be as uninfluential in a game again. I think um, Soyuncu was below par. There was a lot of them that were, were below par. So I do worry a little bit that they're going to kind of, you know, shake themselves out of that and come out roaring. And uh, we might need to be aware of that by Wednesday. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I said at the start that Turkey will be a team who will give up goals. And I think that was demonstrated against Italy. I think if we push them and press them, they will give up chances. Um, they, you know, the, the games they've won, they've had, you know, they don't win many one nil. You know, they, they have got goals in them, but they also concede. And I think that's the big thing for us. They will come out of this, in my view, anyway, all guns blazing. They will think, right, this is it now. This is our. This they will have targeted us as the one winnable game, or their biggest best chance of winning a game, and will come at us. And I think that will really, really suit us as long as we react to that in a sensible way as well. Um, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm confident because that would be naive in the extreme. But I do think we've got more than enough to win this game. I mean, looking at this in the wider context, this is must win for us, right? I think it, I think it has to be must win. Yeah, I think um, I think that one of the weird things about this group is let's assume Italy are going to win all three games. The remaining games could all be draws. You know, we could draw Turkey on Wednesday. They could draw with Switzerland. And then you have this weird situation where someone's going through in second place on two points <laughs> just based on just based on who hasn't lost as badly to Italy. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so... I think it I think it's a really strange group in that sense but I think ultimately we should be treating it as a must win. I think four points is going to be enough I would hope. Um and I think it then it just to be able to go to Rome with without the pressure of trying to get some points out of that game. I think the order of the games is one of the real benefits for us. So let's try and make use of that benefit. Yeah, and I would add to that as well that there's there's every chance that the Swiss will play Turkey in the last game, needing to win as well because we in a you know ideal situation will have already beaten Turkey, so that also puts added pressure on them. Whereas I think we would we would be going into that last game perhaps thinking a draws a bonus here because we've already got four points. So I, I do think it the context you know pivots massively depending on how how this game goes, which is an obvious thing to say, but I I think that, that if we harbour ambitions of getting out of this group as you say we've we've got a we've got to win uh on wednesday uh, to be honest i'm really excited about the match i think that you know the first one i always thought was going to be kind of a bit more turgid and tight and i think my prediction uh for this was that we would win the the turkey game 2-1 so i i do think that there's uh, this is going to be a better game of football uh if nothing else um i'm I'm excited but tentative I think is the best way to describe it yeah that's that's an interesting way to put it I um I think the fact that we're just through one competitive game we we probably know how we want to tackle this this game from a formation point of view um the temperatures as you said it'll be a cooler evening uh, we've had a little bit more training time concentrating with the players that we intend to start and hopefully everybody's just that little bit fitter. Um, I, I think, I mean, ever since the draw, it's really, it's been the one that we've had to target to take the three points out of. And as you said, Turkey is certainly doing the same. Um, so I'm hoping yeah. it will be a much more open game. They, um, Gunesh is very pragmatic with how he sets them up. It's very much uh, for each game. Uh, so their formation might be a bit different, might be a little bit more front-footed come uh, come Wednesday as well. And I think overall, it's hopefully going to uh, provide something that's a little bit more of a watch. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree. Um, to look at, obviously, the, the bigger picture, there's a lot happened uh, at the Euros this week. Um, I think... We obviously should say something about the Christian Eriksen situation. Just awful, 
awful uh, scenes, and I'm and I'm so glad, uh, and I'm sure I'm, I say I say that on Ruth's behalf as well. How how glad we are, how he has obviously seemingly made some sort of recovery and looks like he's going to be okay. Um, just fantastic news, and the the reaction of some of the players and the referee who ref uh, obviously referees often get grief, but I thought the the way everyone reacted to that situation was was fantastic to see. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's it's a just an indication of how well organised the medical support at games is these days. Um, the speed with which he got the care that he needed, I, I think, was just just so impressive. And I think, uh, as you say, the reaction of everybody, the crowd, the other players, how the Finnish players reacted. Uh, the behaviour of the Danish players in terms of trying to screen him. I actually think the only people that came out of this who should be remorseful about how they behaved is some of the TV coverage. Do you know what? I I, I, I take the point. You're, like, you're, you're right. I, I just... That's such a... It's, that's an impossible situation to manage because I bet you the cameraman has probably got someone in his ear saying... Uh, just keep your camera on him. Keep your camera on him. Uh, 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 um and an R and about what's the best thing to do. The the director has probably got similar pressure to kind of provide content for for other people, and it's not right. But I, I think it's very easy for us in hindsight to to be saying you should have done this, you should have done that. I think for me the big thing I thought was I think rather than kind of saying you've been wrong, you've been wrong. I think what we should be doing is as 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 we've mentioned there, focusing on the rights of the situation and the people who've reacted well, the doctors, um, the the teams, the fans, everyone there. I think reacted in a in a frankly amazing way, and I think that's that should be the story for me, not focusing on people who are in a very high pressure situation probably yes making the wrong decision but probably not really knowing how I, they I'm, just along with it. I'm just surprised Dave that there isn't a kind of a, a protocol really of look if 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 x happens and it you know something demands this level of medical care we are going to go to the studio as opposed to leaving people trying to decide what to do on the hoof which I agree with you I think that's you, you can't that's why you don't make good decisions um, you know, one of the one of the reasons it went so smoothly with the medical team was they practiced this. Yeah. You know, they 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 learned to do this on autopilot. And so I think I think it's a lesson for broadcasters of have a plan for things. Basically, I suppose that's what I'm saying is I'd, I'd like to see them going forward, having a, a protocol and a plan that if something of this nature happens again, there's some lessons learned. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair, and you're right. There probably is some sort of protocol, or you'd like to think there is. If someone you know breaks their leg, they don't show the replay, or if there's a streaker, they don't show that person doing that. So I'm sure there is some ways. I'm sure they they equally don't expect. No one kind of expected something like that to happen, which again doesn't make it right, but uh, um, it does make it more difficult, I suppose. Yeah, but just I mean, it sounds very positive news medically in terms of how he's doing. So um, I think that's 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 clearly the most important thing. Oh, without question, and and you know, every everyone hopes that Christian Eriksen uh, makes a makes a speedy recovery, and, and good luck to him and him and his family. Um, to look uh, at the at the rest of the tournament to an extent. Uh, or the, the wider picture, it was it was good to see fans in in Baku. You know, credit to the people who've gone out there. A um, little bit weird, created a bit of a weird atmosphere, um, and I think that's been the, the 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 key for me is the is the weird atmosphere. Like I watched the England Croatia game today, um, and I thought, considering the game was at Wembley, there were apparently something like twenty thousand people there. It was England at Wembley. It certainly didn't sound like a home game. And I'm not being critical of England fans in this uh, for once. Um, uh, although, although they booed the Croatian national anthem, which was really great. Well done. Uh, I hope you're all proud of yourselves. I, 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 I did find the atmosphere and, and all of the atmosphere is quite odd so far. Um, I, see, I didn't think of that in Baku as odd particularly. I mean, I think it's... Um, it is a bit. It is a bit weird, isn't it? It feels. It still feels alien. As a, a, we're in this kind of like halfway house, obviously between no fans and, and full houses. And yeah. I think, 
I think that's a bit strange. Um, I thought the the Welsh fans that were there did a great job. I mean, I could I could hear lots of singing coming over, um, coming over the feed that I had here. Um, I thought that the the team lining up and facing them from the anthem. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, it, they clearly took a lot of the time at the end of the game to kind of say their thank yous to the fans that have made the trip. So, um, I. Th- I, I think I disagree in the sense that Baku seemed a strange atmosphere. I, and I think it'll be interesting to see on Wednesday with it effectively being a home game for the Turkish side and perhaps uh, more locals going and obviously a lot of Turks going that it might feel a little more normal in that sense. Um, I, I thought, for example, the Danish-Finland game... Um, Obviously, everything changed with what happened with with uh, Christian Eriksson. But prior to that, it felt a little more uh, normal in terms of how it was set up and the, yeah, and the, know, yeah, the yeah. kind of the the uh, the relationship between the fans. Clearly, after the after um, after the medical emergency and how the fans responded was wonderful and amazing. And you know, you got to love Scandinavians, uh, but. <laughs> I, I think I think what you were saying about the England-Croatia game may say more about Wembley than it does about the tournament itself. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe I'm just being a bit harsh. Because I thought, I thought the atmosphere at the Austria-North Macedonia game was good today under circumstances as well. Yeah, I, I didn't watch that, I, I, I must admit. But um, and I'm, again, most watch, not... That's been the most watchable game so far, actually. It was an, it was an exciting game. I saw they won 3-1 Austria one, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not being critical of any fans who were in Baku, by the way, just more uh, the the situation, I suppose. And, I, and you are right that the the, the Finland Denmark game was much better atmosphere wise. That definitely is true. Um, I think you know it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think as long as people are kind of allowed to behave I suppose in a more relatively normal way then I suppose things are going to improve and I think maybe once people have been to the game for the first time the second time around they'll know the situation a bit better and they'll kind of know how things are going to go but um, the last thing I wanted to say was about the women's team Wales women are playing Scotland in a friendly on Tuesday uh, the day before the Turkey game. So if you want to get yourself in the mood uh, with some more international football, please keep your eye out for that. The game is going to kick off at 7.15 um, British time. I'm, I'm told it's going to be on BBC uh, and streamed online as well. It may just be streamed online, so don't don't quote me on that one way or the other. Um, as a By way of a another plug, uh, the Wales Women's Fan Trust is going to be doing um, half-time and full-time chatter uh, about the game on their YouTube channel, so please... Uh, um, sign up for that if you're if you're interested. Um, go to at Trust Wales on Twitter for for more information about that. Uh, Gwenan Harris is going to be joining as well as part of the of the halftime and full time team. So if you're interested in watching that match and want some halftime and full time analysis in inverted commas, then please check that out and you can find more information on at Trust Wales on Twitter. Um, are you going to be able to watch that one, Ruth? If it's if it's streaming, I have a I have a chance of being able to watch it. Yes, so fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, if not, I'll, if not, I'll drop in and and have a look at the YouTube stuff. If nothing else, excellent news. That's what we want to hear. So yeah, um, keep your eyes out for that. Um, looking forward to the game. I think every, it's pretty much a full squad. The, the camp has kind of been overshadowed a little bit, I suppose, by the by the circumstance. But I'd imagine Gemma Green just probably quite happy about that. I think she probably wants this as another opportunity to have a go at you know again a slightly higher ranked team. Um, and maybe experiment and try a few different things and see if we can uh, continue the what's looked like a positive start under her. Yes, I think the fact that they've had one game in this window or, or having one game in this window, it's given them a really nice long training camp. And um, I sat in on some some media sessions with uh, with the players, and that was one of the points that Jess Fishlock was making. Actually, was how welcome it is to actually not not sort of have your nose immediately into the next game and actually be able to work on some stuff tactically, particularly with a, with a new manager. So um, I think, you know, the, 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 
the spring camp and this one I hope have, have, are going to really serve purpose looking looking ahead to September. Absolutely, and that's obviously when the World Cup qualifiers start, so that's uh, more great stuff to be looking forward to. Um, Ruth, we've managed to do this in under an hour if we wrap this up quite well. Quickly. We have we oh. we haven't done the dreaded predictions yet. Oh, we haven't. This is true. It's interesting <laughs> that you've caught me back on this. This never happens. Um, I I think I said in uh, Game of Lard two one. I think I said so. I'm going to stick with two one. Is that? I think that's what I said. Um, it's actually what I said. So, uh, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure what you said. Uh, but I, I said two one, and I think um, I think we'll have one from Kiefer and one from one of the you know a James or Brooks type goal maybe. I've just. I'm just thinking back now. I think I said that we would beat the Swiss one nil, and this would be a two two draw. Is what I said in Ooh, Game of Willard. So, okay. um, on the basis that we now need to win, I'm going to change my mind. Still read. <laughs> still read Game of Willard. It's still. I've got loads of fan, fascinating reasoning in there, no doubt. But uh, uh, I think we will nick this two one. Is my prediction. Okay. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ruth and I have agreed on a prediction, which means we will definitely not win the game 2-1, uh, if anything is to go by. I will be doing my best not to break another body part uh, during, mm-hmm. during the next game. We can, we can only hope. Um, but uh, yes, lots to look forward to. So thank you for your time, Ruth. Good to chat to you as always. Yep. And uh, trying to, like the momentum feels like it's building a little bit, doesn't it? You know, watching, watching some of the other games, it, it's starting to feel like there is actually going on sort of uh, so I think it's just to kick back and enjoy it and wish the boys well for Wednesday absolutely pub luck indeed uh, well there you go ladies and gents thank you very much for your time thank you for listening uh, and we will be back after the Turkey game with a review and a look ahead to the Italy game so thank you for your time and good night bye bye <laughs>